So, uh, normally on a Wednesday morning, when we have prayer meeting, um, I'm also sort of aware about like because the Lord normally stirs something in my heart um, in that prayer meeting as well that, that I can sort of minister about. And uh, He did uh, again this week uh, just stir something in my heart that I believe is a word from the Lord. And it was actually confirmed through a few other conversations that I had with people. Um, but I need to sort of give a disclaimer before we start that if you sort of clock out halfway through the message, you're not going to get the full picture. Um, and I think that is where many sort of make a mistake in sort of preaching one side of, of the, let's call it the gospel, um, but not the other side. And then things get skewed to either, let's say, complete uh, burdensome Christianity on the one side or complete uh, license on the other side <laughs> where people feel like they can just go and do whatever they want because Christ has paid for your sins and, and all that kind of things. Um, so, so this is one of those messages that where I needed to sort of, I'm going to give some information and then I'm going to flip the script and give more information that will complete the message and complete the picture so that we don't go home with with only one thing in our heart. And it's really important for us uh, to, to, to understand what I'm trying to say because it is something that I've, been, that I've encountered and I've been specifically in realizing that there are so many people and I, I, especially like in Swakop, I don't know what it is with this place, but there are a lot of people that are sitting with hurt uh, because of previous encounters with Christians or with churches or with things like that. And so somewhere in this, somebody said something or did something or did not say something and didn't do something. And some people take offense and then they sort of leave the church. And um, I actually had to have a meeting with someone this week. Someone said, we're leaving the church because of a decision that I made as a leader, sort of. Um, but because there's no... Yeah, I'm not going to go into detail. But people take offense. People, people decide something for themselves. And then they sort of they leave the church. Um, and that is, that is really, really sad for me. So I've been thinking about this and the Lord's been stirring something in my heart and I, I'm, I really had to go and think, how will I put this down so that the whole message sort of gets into our hearts? And the name of my sermon is that the church is not a place of perfect. It's not a place of perfect. In fact, somebody once said, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. Because you'll spoil it. <laughs> there's no such thing, and there's not supposed to be such a thing, 
as a perfect church where everybody is just right and just perfect and where everything is just right and just perfect now listen please listen to my whole message before you decide what I'm trying to say all right but I do believe this is very important and I do believe that this will be liberating for some I wrote here this statement that true Christianity does not strive for perfect people but rather for people who perfectly love that's what I want to try and get through we are not looking for people and I think that is sort of the fruit of religiosity is trying to to impose a kind of perfection on those who are under your leadership or rulership or whatever and then that just puts such a burden on people that they just can't make it they just break they just or they leave the church or what's worse is that that you oppose something on people and then they see somebody in leadership or in whatever do something that is just not as perfect as you say that you are supposed to be and then they take offense and they leave and that is not Christianity that does not bring glory to God that does not help the kingdom in any way in fact it tells the world who believe that Christianity is all about judgment and all about being hypocrites tells the world that they're right and we've got to stop that and the only way to stop that is to come to the place where we truly have the love and the character of God the love and the character that Jesus had when he walked the earth and the only people that I can remember now that he had problems with are the ones saying that we are perfect in everything we do and you must fall in line so let's have a look at a few things so Colossians 3 verse 12 and 15 says since God chose you to be a holy people he loves now the sense means that that there comes a description afterwards God chose you to be a holy people he loves now this is what it looks like you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience and I'm going to throw that in again since God chose you to be a holy people you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you remember the Lord forgave you and I believe Ryan spoke about this last week Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. 
For as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. And it's too often that we see the opposite in the church. It's too often that we, that we ourselves find ourselves on the other side. Pointing fingers and saying, look at that one, look at that one. They're not doing that right. They're not doing this. They're not. And he says here, let peace rule your hearts. Let the love of Christ rule you, rule your hearts. Alternatively, the opposite of that is let pride rule your heart. Let your own self-righteousness rule your heart. Because then you start pointing fingers at others. Ek is nogal van mening dat baie keer as mense heel tyd vingers wees vir ander mense, it's because they have a bad self-image. Because they themselves are not full and complete in Christ. And now they're looking, searching all the time of anyone that can just be a little bit lower than them. And then they point it out to everyone else so that the world can know that I'm a little bit better than at least than that guy. That does not glorify God and that is not the church. That is not what we are supposed to look like. So what is the true mark of Christianity? What is the true mark of someone, the true sign that someone is really a follower of Christ? It is not someone who goes around pointing fingers, saying, you don't deserve to be in this church. And if you they are not going to be here. This very disappointing. We see in Colossians that we just read mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. What does that sound like? We understand it. Fruit of the Spirit. All the fruits of love are the marks of what a believer looks like or supposed to look like. This is the one thing that Jesus taught over and over and over. Mercy instead of sacrifices. Let's not walk away from the fact that he does set the highest possible standard. He is the standard in Muslim. But he looks at the condition of the heart and that, that is God. Dit het nie net met die Nieuwe Testament gekom nie. Nee, this scripture came to me. I was thinking about this when I, when I read through this or when I studied this. Um, Isaiah 58, vers 1 tot 11. En ek gaan die hele stikkie somme lees. Sê, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. 
Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet, they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that could never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. Um, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why. Um, I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? The kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by, being through, by going through the motions of penance, uh, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you are calling fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Listen to the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading your vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, give you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Isaiah 58. According to what I understand you and what I read and how I understand the gospel, holiness is not measured by how religious or how spiritual you can be. Gaan lees weer 1 Korintiërs 13. Al kan ek al die goeders doen. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, healing the sick, doing all these things. But if my motive is not love, it means nothing for the Lord. It is a hard word. Jesus has an immense dislike. A hatred for playing religion. Because it brings destruction. It oppresses people. It brings church splits. It brings rebellion. It destroys his body. It's like an autoimmune disease. 
in the body of Christ. Destroying itself. What he's looking for is the condition of our hearts. If he calls us to be holy, it does not refer to what we do or what we don't do. Listen to what I'm saying. It refers to the condition of my heart. And then what I do and what I don't do is a fruit of the condition of my heart. That is why He has given His life. That is why He has paid the penalty. That is why He has cleansed us with His blood. So that we can first be made holy by Him and then live holy lives. The condition of our heart comes first. And out of that flows the acts of holiness or the acts of righteousness. And if it's not like that, he takes no pleasure in it. And there will not be fruit. I don't know if you can hear me. But this feels a little bit the same. Last night, just before bed, I know we had a very busy day, gymnastic competition the whole day, and good. And so in the early years, I can't with the kinders and I can't come, and I have to work. And um, now the whole year is so under the bed, and I'm good to work, and all the good things, and so I can't with the kinders and I can't come. But now I'm with Annabelle. Now I get all from the floor with all the rasies. En ek het gesê, as jylle kleren wees so in gate en gedruk word, dan goed gaan ek jy op jylle pak slaag jy. Maar nou is het nie, ek hier die aand hulle moet nou net, ek ek, jy kan nie nou vir slaag jy. Maar nou waarske ek sê, ek het gesê, dat ek gaan vir jylle pak slaag jy, as jylle kleren wees so in gate en gedruk is en en wat ek al. En Annabel, sy is verskrikkelijk, she she can't stand getting a hiding. She sê, nou papa, And immediately, like my heart melts. And I say, this is your last divorce game. <laughs> <laughs> but now she starts crying. And she says, I mean, Mama was here. <laughs> <laughs> Papa is not funny. <laughs> but now I try to speak to her. I said, Do you understand why? I said, Papa is not so strong. <laughs> See, now I try to explain to them that I have to be strict with them because if they grow up like this and just throwing them, one day when they're big, they'll just throw their clothes all over the place and put it into holes and stuff. And, you know, I said, I said do you understand why I need to sort of take out the, the rod? And the word does say, spare the rod, spoil the child. So I have to take out the rod in some way, even though they don't. Now she's crying. 
Sy sê, ek weet die bybel sê, mens mag nie hard sê, kan slaap nie, maar ek kan nie help nie. <laughs> ja, <coughs> so, luckily they're very forgiving, and ek nooi op my skoot, en ek sit net lang met haar tot sy nou, by die haar, en ons nou, sy kan gaan slaap, sonder die haar sê, haar kie wipperlik. <laughs> But what I'm actually trying to say is I know that that this is a tough message. But if we don't get it right, we will not experience here what, what, what we want God us to experience. And honestly, Lillian and I refuse profoundly to play church to just go through motions or to just and in some way unfortunately it's like the only thing we know because the church has been getting it wrong for so long the very thing that Jesus fought against feels like we just come back to that again. But we've got to become a people that are, that are not like that. <laughs> that, are, that. That really have become perfect in love. Jesus had a massive problem with the religious leaders because of this very thing. On paper they did everything right. They kept the word they kept to the scriptures they kept they mean they let alles gedoen yet Jesus had a massive problem with them we read in Matthew 9 as Jesus was walking along he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth follow me and be my disciple he said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Oh my goodness. Do you know what a tax collector was in that day? People hated the tax collectors. They were like the biggest frauds of all people. Cheating people out of their money, taking too much tax keeping some for themselves, makies ook wat nie, they were hated. Nee, ons het, het so paar weke terug op die story gelees van die tax collector en die fariseer wat voor God staan. Now Jesus comes and he calls that guy. In what way is he perfect to become a disciple of Jesus? In no way. There is nothing about Matthew that qualified him according to, let's call it, church standards to follow Jesus. Jesus says, come, follow me. The fruit and the end result of that 
is that he lived that life. He started to get to know Christ and get to know what real life is. But first, Jesus called him to himself. And then you see the, re the response of the Pharisees. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Who needs to come to church? Those who need Jesus. Who do we need to invite and to embrace and to, to bring to this place so that they can encounter the love of Jesus through us? Not pointing fingers, not saying, Jelle sit in die hoekie, dis waar die sonder sit, die rest van ons sit hierdie kan. Dit is nou nie aan. Daarom is hierdie kan meer. Healthy people don't need the doctor, sick people do. Then he ended, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come to call those who are, who think, oh, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. And so we see this in the ministry of Jesus all the time. There's this big contrast between how the Pharisees or the religious leaders handled people and how Jesus handled people. We know the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, wanting to stone this woman. Jesus does completely the opposite. What, what, what would have been the result, even if they like scolded her and everything and... and uh, but they didn't stone her. Sena maar daar was een straf. Maybe let's say they beat her. She didn't kill. They didn't kill her. What would be the result of that? She would go right back to that lifestyle, with rebellion in her heart. One encounter with Jesus, and His love and His acceptance, saying, "I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more." Just that freedom in her heart gave her the power over that to walk in freedom and to live in righteousness. This beautiful. Jesus is awesome. The Pharisees believed that they were holy and that they were the holy ones because they kept all the rules and did all the right stuff. But Jesus recognized the condition of their hearts and called them out as children of the devil. Religious leaders 
he called children of the devil. Nee, ons lees dit in Matthäus 12. Sê, Jesus wil hy sê, en hy praat met hulle, hy beklein met hulle, hy sê, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, noem hy hulle. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The condition of your heart is what he's looking at. In Johannes 8, what I say, I told them, if God were your father, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Now here's my thing, the thing that I'm seeing in my heart. If everyone in the church was always perfect and supposed to be perfect and everything, we only allow perfect people, we would never, ever, ever have the opportunity to grow in love. We would never have the opportunity to love someone and to show the love of God to someone. Because real love is shown when you give grace and humility and patience to those who you really think you don't deserve this. <laughs> I've given you in the past um, Chip Ingram's definition of, of love. It's so good. See, love is giving a person what he needs the most when he deserves it the least at great personal cost. That is what the church should look like. I could not even the boat on one thing. Dis vir my deest al so mooi. Nie mooi nie, maar dit is vir my goed to be able to deal with problem people. And I was actually thinking about your comment on Wednesday morning. Kevin's, Kevin's children were saying they don't like church because it's just like a lot of problems. People have problems, like church people have problems. But you know what? It's a beautiful thing. If you ask the Lord to help me grow in love, to help me, and we've been praying this, Lillian and I have been praying this. Father, please, in the the one thing that we wanted our, our mark to be is that how we love people. So we're constantly asking the Lord to teach me to love the way you love. And what does He do? He brings people who confront us. And He brings people who oppose us. And He brings people who, who, who you know, does crazy or silly things that, that the flesh would take offense at. And He says, now in spite of that, go and love them. 
Show them your love. Grow in love. Grace and mercy. Because He had that on us, we have to have that on others. Okay, now I'm going to flip the script a little bit. Because there's the danger that sort of if we stop here, then we say, oh man, we just love you. If you say that you want to like live in sin, don't worry, we'll love you anyways. And you can continue living in sin and you can continue doing this. And you can, this is not the whole truth. In fact, loving someone and allowing them to live in sin is the opposite of loving them. Seeing sinfulness and seeing that someone is not reflecting the glory of God the way that we should. We are called to holiness. We are called to reflect the love of Christ. We are called to reflect Jesus Christ. But our motive in correction and our motive in guidance and our motive in going to someone and say, listen, I... I, I see that the way that you're handling your children or your wife or whatever, or I see this decision that you made, which is like opposite of, of what the Bible says or whatever. The motive is not pointing fingers and saying, hey man, you better get it right or whatever, I'm lording it over you. The motive is that I do not want to see you destroy your life. I do not want to see you destroy your children. I do not want to see you moving outside of the glory of God because then you'll miss what God has for you. So my motive for going to somebody, even though there's correction, must be love. There has to be correction. That's part of the whole picture. <laughs> ne? Luister ga hier wat sê, wat sê Ephesians. Now, now, we know Ephesians 4, 11, 12, that says that the gift that has been given to the church, the apostles, prophets, teachers, um, for the equipping of the saints, uh, empowering them to the good works. And then he says in 13 onwards, he says, this will continue, the equipping of the saints will continue. The teaching and the correcting and all those things must continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And it brings me weer terug by my gesprekje met Annabel gister. I must discipline and sometimes be hard on my children. Not in an unhealthy way, in love. And I really try to do it in love. So that they can come to the full stature of what they are called to be in God when they grow up. And in the same way, anyone that decides to submit under Lillian and our leadership, we have to. Do this. 
We have to make sure that everyone who gives himself to us comes to the full stature of Christ. Because I will stand before the Lord. And he will say, that person, that person, that person, that person have given themselves to you, they've submitted to you, yet they continued in their sin. How do you answer for that? This is not a light burden that we draw. But we do it gladly and with love. Because there's also a joy, I believe, set before us. That one day we can all stand before the Lord and say, we have attained this. And the guys that have been dealing with me knows this. I will, I will, I will come to you and I will say to you, yes, please come on to you. Ek is nie bang nie. And if you do not want to listen, or if you do not want, and if you decide to leave the church, then leave the church. Maak jezelf los van my, so dat ek nie voor die Heer is aan met jou nie. But if you submit to me, I will come to you. And I expect the same. I expect guys to come to me, and to check in with me. How's your purity? How's your... We need each other to come to the full stature of Jesus Christ and what He wants us or given His life for us to do. So then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Ons in mekaar watch. Ons in mekaar oprig. Ons in mekaar correct in guidance gee. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. That is still our goal. That is still where we're going. That is still, we are a people are growing more and more and more into the image and the stature of Jesus Christ. That is where we are going. And for that we need correction. And if we don't correct one another, we don't love one another. But our motive must be Christ. Our motive must be your relationship with Christ. Nothing else. Yes, I get, I get, uh, for ochend, to lees ek hierdie ding van Spurgeon. The Stoics would say, now, a Stoic, Stoic is, according to, to my knowledge, or according to what I read up, I actually had to go look it up, is someone who, who believes that you can determine your own happiness and fulfillment through living a moral life, through uh, 
Yeah, let's call it that. Through doing the right things. If you do keep doing the right things, then good things will happen to you, like karma and all that kind of stuff. All right, so they determine, you determine your own goodness. Okay, but we believe it's only through Christ. It's only by the Spirit and His power and empowering us that we can be good. Even Jesus said, only God is good. So unless you have God in you, you can't be good. All right? So he says, Stoics would say, wash my feet. What is this good for, uh, what is the good of it? We need, uh, what need, washing my feet. What is the good of it? What need of washing a man's feet? If he needs it, let him wash them himself. The first law of nature is self-love. Let every man see to it himself. What have I to do with my brother's feet? Let him wash his own. What has he to do with my feet? Let him mind his own business. This, says Spurgeon, is anti-Christianity. Christianity says, I am willing that others should help me to be holy. And I am also willing to help others to the same end. I'm so imperfect that I'm willing that everybody should point out my faults and rebuke me for him. And I am so anxious that my brother should be holy that I will lovingly help him to conquer sin. That's awesome. We need each other. I think the point is made, so I'm going to sort of land. Is the point made? Did you get the whole picture? So I want to sort of just put it out and summarize it. The first thing that I said is that Jesus didn't say that we will be recognized as his disciples by how we live better than the rest and by how we can judge someone who is not living up to the same standards as me. I think the problem is with religiosity is that we measure people to our standards and not to Christ's standard. Because if I measure someone to my standard, I can point fingers. But if I measure someone to Christ's standard, none of us can point fingers. The second thing that I try to bring through is love is not equal to allowing a person to live in sinfulness and not grow in godliness. That is not love. If you know a brother who is struggling with sin or a sister who is struggling with sin, you will love them. I want to read this scripture, James 5. It says, My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, he should know that the one who turns a sinner back from his wandering path will save that person's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. 
if we let someone just go by knowing that they are on their way habitually living in sin and we do not do our utmost best if that person rejects like Paul he says I wash my hands my conscience is clear but the way that we truly show love is by going to someone and say I believe that you are destroying your life now and into eternity and I really don't want to see you destroy your life so love is not equal to allowing a person to sin or to live habitually in sin Christ is our standard. We are not the standard of righteousness. It is therefore that Christ taught us to first check the log in our own eye before we look for the speck in someone else's eye. He is our standard. And it is true that Romans 3 says that we all fall short of the glory of God. But because of Christ, because of His mercy, because of His forgiveness, because of His grace, we belong to Him. And if I can belong to Christ, anyone can. We need each other for a life of holiness. We need each other to grow in love. We need difficult people. You can tell the guy next to you, I can so blame you, speaking Willek. Because it teaches me to love. It teaches me to have grace. It teaches me to have patience. It teaches me to grow in the love of Christ. A messy church is a good church. <laughs> as long as we love one another, we will grow. There can be life in a mess. And therefore, I believe that we should strive for this one thing, is that we are not a church of perfect that become a church of perfect love. We need to be perfect in our love. And if we do that, we will have the environment where God can come and grow us and help us to manifest His kingdom. Good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the grace. I pray that you come and that you plant into our hearts, Lord. 
the fullness of the love of Christ. Would you come and pour your love out, your true, pure, unrestricted, unconditional love and understanding for one another. Thank you for an environment in which we can grow. Thank you for an environment in which we can become more like you when we make room for one another. I almost want to say thank you for the beautiful mess that we can call family. That you can use to shape us and mold us and grow us into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We open our heart, Lord, to each other. We open our heart to correction. We open our hearts to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.